reading today from uh, the second chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 18. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, king, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of, pe of the people and asked them where, is the, where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me, so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they were no more. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for this time we can be in your house to worship you, Lord. I pray that we would search you out just like the wise men did, Lord, and I pray that we would just have the the courage to to shine your light to others that we may meet uh, as we go about our day, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you be with Neil as he leads us this morning. Uh, just uh, give him the words that you'd have him to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. If you'll stay standing, we're going to sing We Three Kings together.
time I'd like to introduce to you a friend of mine and of ours, Miss Janetta Lake. <laughs> I thought he was about to play Here Comes the Bride. <laughs> That's the, he had that first note, didn't he? <laughs> uh, Miss Janetta has been with us before, uh, I think twice at um, Thanksgiving, and she is so dedicated. She, she literally, one Thanksgiving, left the ER <laughs> And came and, and led worship that evening, uh, singing with us and, and for us. And then, you know, I think the next time you came, you, you were well. So we have her back at Christmas. She is extremely devoted and talented, as you will find out very quickly. I hope she will say a few things about herself in introductory. Um, I initially met her because she was a co-worker with my wife. And immediately her uh, joyous personality, her kind nature... And just her love for the Lord and for people is, is evident. She's traveled all over the world singing in many famous places, but uh, she's more about Christ. She's all about Jesus. So, Miss Janetta, please come and share with us this morning the gifts that God has placed in your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I teach. And that's just my nickname for them. They come up with ones for me, so I had to find one for them. And when I see, I see Tracy, I'm like, come on, First Lady. Show them who the Lord is. All right. But I, I'm thankful to be here with you all. This is, again, it's home. And you're going to see a lot more of me. I'm going to start coming a little regularly. So um, you've been warned. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I want to talk a moment. First of all, you all sounded beautiful. We Three Kings is one of my favorite songs. And the congregation, that's a choir happening. I heard, I mean, y'all were singing on purpose. The harmonies were there. Sounded real good. I want to share something with you. I love hymns. And the words, as a writer, as a songwriter, you know we get used to our favorite verses in a song. You know, we go places and they might sing, oh, the first and the third, the second and fourth. I love when churches sing all of them. I found one today. I, I called Preacher Man yesterday and I texted him and said, listen, I want to sing Standing on the Promises. It's so timely now because how many of you make resolutions? Okay. And as preachers say, all heads bowed, eyes closed, how many of you keep them? Exactly. We make them, they're overrated, they're cliche, or, and they're just, they don't work. Nobody follows them. I made a resolution to lose 20 pounds. That was several years ago, and I, obviously I didn't keep it. But here's the deal. I make promises to myself. How many of you make a promise to yourself or to loved ones, and you're going to make sure you keep it? Now raise your hand. Exactly. You can stand on the promises that you make to yourself and to loved ones, to your community, how you serve, how you worship, because God makes promises, and he stands on them. He's not going to take. We change our mind all the time. He never will. He never will. I'm experiencing something now that God gave me 30 years ago. I thought it was the right time, obviously. Who else has been out of God's timing? We think, oh, the Lord said. Yes, but the Lord also will tell you when. He's made it very clear to me. Yes, I gave you all these gifts. I said you could do this, but I didn't say do it then. And we jam ourselves when we don't trust his timing. So standing on the promises... I was looking at the verses this morning. And if I don't do this, I'll be like, a blur. 
but I was looking at standing on the promises. And I want to share with you, in mind, keep in mind with resolution, here's a guarantee. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Not might not, not maybe not, cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. Who's been in a bad storm? It happened all the time. In Georgia, there's always a storm. But the storms of life are just as scary. The storms of life are just as unsettling. That'll keep you awake at night. And the storms of life are just as scary. Fear and doubt can be just as scary as the scariness in the sky, the storms and the thunder. You ever wake up like, <gasps> what's that? Fear can arrest your spirit that same way. Doubt will do the same thing. So I want to share with you this season and every season, as we enter a new decade, a new season, in our lives and in so many ways, stand on promises, make promises. But be in alignment with God. The promises you make, if they're in alignment with the promises that he spoke over you, it's a done deal. It's a guarantee. The word say it. His word says it. So I'm going to sing one verse, the one I just read. That verse. That verse spoke to me. And I love all of them, but that verse spoke to me because you think, hmm, is it the right time? Let me let you know. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of fear and doubt assail. Listen, assail, that's a powerful word. That's the enemy. Assail means to, that's the storm. But here's the good news. By the living word of God, I shall not might, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen, amen, amen. This next song was my, one of my mama's favorite songs. A lot of you know it, so when I point to you, because I already heard you sing, I already heard you sing, We Three Kings, so don't get silent, well, I do like this. Hush, better not fall over the room. How about that? It is well with my soul. Because sometimes God will put you in a holding pattern. Yes, you promised it, but oh, when is it? Come on, when, when? I call that a place of okay. I'm in a place of okay, no matter what. I remember years ago I heard, this was some seminar. I don't like surprises. Well, I do now. But the speaker was saying that anybody who doesn't like surprises is that you, means that you are not okay with the outcome. That you doubt how you can handle the outcome. But a place of okay, whatever, whatever, Lord, your will, your way all day, whatever. I'm like the donkey now in, okay, let me clarify that. <laughs> the middle child in me has always been like, pick me, pick me, pick me. That's the donkey in me. Lord, pick me. I'm okay. Pick me, Lord. Use me. Let me be of service. If it's not my way, as long as it's your way, it's okay. I'm okay. Because I promise you, he's all, I tell everyone, my daughter especially, God is working, behind, he's behind the scenes, working all out. He's already walked into your destiny. He's already done it. He's already prepared it for you. We need to stay in our lane. And in real talk, we need to mind our business. The Lord has everything under control. So trust his promises. You can stand on them. When you're not sure, take a deep breath and know that it's okay. It's okay. When peace like a river 
attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well means, you could also say, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, my soul, it's already done. Though Satan should buffet, though trials will come, not if. Everybody say when. When. But you're prepared because you know the Lord. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. All right, we're going to do this. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. One more time. It is well. Okay. It is well with my soul. It is well. Randy, let's do this. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands hath made. I see the stars and I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sing. My soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sing, my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, and when, think about it, I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can't take it in. That on the cross, my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin, your sin, then sings, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, y'all know it. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great 
God. Come on. Then Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation to take me home. What joy will fill my heart. Then I will bow. And there proclaim, my God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. consider this. I'm not a visitor here. Mm. You all welcomed me from the moment I walked in the door. And I'm thankful for that connection because every place that calls them a, a house of God, a lot of folks ain't seen him in a while. Mm. You all are living proof of what the word says. And I will always be at home here. Oh, thank you. And I always ask God, I said, Lord, I never know. You don't know either when the Holy Ghost is going to show up. In the middle of a song, I said, God, what if I'm in the middle of a song? And I start crying. <laughs> he goes, you take a breath and keep singing. Amen. So you all saw that happen. I took a breath <laughs> and I kept singing. Amen. He always shows up. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. And remember, make a promise. You'll be very disappointed with your little pitiful resolutions. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 What a blessing. Thank you so much, Ms. Janetta. Standing on the promises, it is well, how great thou art. And she just gave us a, a really good outline for how to approach uh, the coming year. Thank you so much, my friend. And you are at home. We love you. Um, we're going to transition to the children who are uh, going to Children's Church, can leave at this time. I'm grateful for our volunteers and workers in the back. Miss Ginger who also knows Janetta very well. Thank you, Miss Ginger Harper, for what you do. The rest of us, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Did you receive some really good gifts this Christmas? Did you give some really good gifts this Christmas? I hope and pray that you did. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have what I think the Bible teaches the best gift ever is. This is the gift that uh, keeps on giving. This is the gift that we are to continually receive into our lives the grace of God from Him and then the grace of God that we are to give to honor and glorify Him. Think about what Janetta just did. She expressed with her giftedness the worth of God. So how do we express the worth of this God who loves us and gave his son on our behalf. In many churches today, they're teaching and preaching, and I've done this as well, the, 
the story of the visit of the wise men who came to express the worth of Jesus with, with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were coming to worship the newborn king. and God led them that way. But there's also a, another individual within that story, Herod, who saw Jesus' arrival. He did not want to worship Christ. He did not want anyone to see what Christ was worth. He was filled, Todd's reading gave us from Matthew chapter 2, with, with jealousy and rage and anger. And unthinkably, this murderous king goes and does the unthinkable. He kills every two-year-old child and under in Bethlehem. That's a gruesome part of the Christmas story that oftentimes we forget. And, and I've done this. I've spiritualized the wise men's visit and their return because it says in Matthew 2, they went back another way, right? You, you remember some of those sermons? They returned another route. And obviously, literally, that's speaking geographically. They, they went back a different way than they came because God had warned them, don't go back to Herod. He has an evil plan that is really from Satan. It's Satan's plan to destroy the Messiah and the Savior. So they go back a different way. But I've always felt personally that the way they went back was not just geographical and physical, that it had to be spiritual because they had worshipped. They had been with God. An angel had appeared to them in a dream. There's a very sovereign part of that story that glorifies God. So when the Apostle Paul deals with the Corinthian church on giftedness, how we express our gifts, how we give our gifts, they were not unified. They at times were rivals. They at times had a little bit of Herod in them. They wanted it to be about them. So Herod was upset that it wasn't his parade, it was Jesus' parade, and Herod thought he was king. Same thing with the Corinthian church. They were jealous and envious that certain individuals got more attention than others. Paul writes that there is a more excellent way. There is a greater gift, and this is the greatest gift, both for us to receive and us to give. So in our response to what we've learned through Advent and Christmas, can I read again for us this common, well-known passage that often shows up in marriage ceremonies? In fact, I don't think I've ever done a ceremony that didn't have 1 Corinthians 13 as part of the, the text. Can we read 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and then chapter 13? Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts, but I show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. But now we see in a mirror dimly. Some of the versions there have as in a riddle. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. 
but now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest, the greatest of these is, is what? Is, is love. Father, thank you for the love that you have for each of us and for the world and that you came down to rescue us and save us while we were sinners, while we were enemies. God, your amazing love sent Christ not only to be born, but to live a perfect life of love, loving you, Father, with all heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving neighbor as self and then dying out of love for our sin and our lack of love. And God, you raised him from the dead, and he commanded us by this, they will know we are Christians by our love. Father, forgive me, forgive us for falling way short of your glory. We need you not only to save us, but to live in us, to, to be able to obey this great chapter and to share a gift with everyone that expresses your worth, that is a life of worship. May this be the way that we intend to go. May may this be the way we respond to the great gift of Christ and Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, last Christmas... Uh, John, Mark, and Kylie gave me a wonderful gift that I opened this December. It was a book. I mentioned this to John, Mark, and he said, oh, we gave you that. (laughs) So I want to publicly thank Kylie Arb. (laughs) But this is a wonderful, in fact, I highly recommend it. I gave it to a few people because it's 24 chapters and every single chapter is an Advent devotion preparing you for Christmas, and it's a breakdown of 1 Corinthians 13. And it's by a wonderful author, pastor, teacher, theologian named Sinclair Ferguson. The title is Love Came Down at Christmas. And the intent is that you would recognize that love came down for you at Christmas, therefore the greatest expression of your gratitude and devotion for that is to live out 1 Corinthians 13. And so I've had this book near my desk. I opened it up and I'd made myself a little note. Christmas 2018, John Mark and Kylie. (laughs) Now when people give you books like this, read them. (laughs) I know you've got a stack of books, little devotions that people gave you. I encourage you to read them because this has been It's been very encouraging, it's very instructive, but it's been very, very convicting. So what I want to do is I want us to open up this gift in 1 Corinthians 13 with the intent of re-gifting it. (laughs) So don't act like you didn't do some of that. In fact, this gift we are commanded to re-gift because it is by this they will know that we are Christians. How? By our love. A new commandment he gave to us, that we would love one another as he has loved us. Let your light so shine before men so that they can see your good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Uh, Deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. All of those are commands to live this kind of life as a way of expressing the gold and frankincense and myrrh that only God is worthy of. But man, I fall short of this every day because of my own selfishness. My own little Herod that lives in me, that I want life to be about me and my parade. (laughs) Little inside scoop, uh, Miss Janetta sent out a text to some people earlier this fall. And she needed a convertible for the homecoming parade because her daughter was riding in the parade. I see this text come through and I say to myself, my parents have a convertible. (laughs) I'm great at volunteering other people's stuff. And my parents are saying, oh boy, is he. So in this beautiful afternoon in Carrollton, the homecoming parade, the Oh, it was hot. Yes, it was. You know, you're right. The heat was on, wasn't it? 
And we, we, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful because of the people who were in it, all right? And bless their hearts, these girls in these cars. You're right, they're sweating, and we got the air going on. And anyway, in this long parade, and Jeanette and her husband were there, and they decorated the convertible, and your daughter was beautiful, and what a, what a moment. Oh, I love a parade. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Janetta. Well, I, I have a confession, though. That's what I was getting to. My family knows this about me, but a lot of you probably don't, that you give me a little attention. And, <laughs> and so I'm in the parade driving her daughter. And I see people that I know. <laughs> and I start waving and honking the horn. And like, I had to, exact, but here's the point. I had to keep reminding myself of what? This, this is not your parade. <laughs> This is not my parade. This is not my parade. This is not my parade. And so, first, to me, 1 Corinthians 13, where we go wrong with this is that our ego and our desire to be... Rec- you know, we're, we're in the business of stealing glory, right? This was your daughter's, and your, this was y'all's time to shine. And you didn't pick up on this, but I was like, man, there he is. You know, it's kind of... When we, oh, it was a lot of fun. But, but go, let's go to the, Herod, his anger, his rage, his desire to murder, his evil came from the fact that there was another rival king that he saw as a threat, and he was the very opposite of 1 Corinthians 13, love. So when, when in, in my life, when I begin to fail to put that into practice, at some point I've elevated myself to a position, I've gotten out of my lane. I think you said that earlier. We don't stay in our lane. Life is about Him and about knowing Him and glorifying Him and loving Him and other people. And 1 Corinthians 13 works this out for us. Everything that Herod was, this is the different route. Are you with me? This is God's way. And God intervened so that we would be able to see clearly that there's another route that's different from the route of hatred and darkness and Satan and evil that desires glory for self and earth rather than for him. So the way this chapter works out is three points this morning. We've got to see love's necessity. That's my first point. Because if you notice what Paul does, he takes things that are good things, but without love, they're bad things. Man, eloquent speaking with tongues of men and angels, but not love? (laughs) You're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just a racket. A racket that's annoying. There are times in my life when I become so annoying, but I can be so eloquent. But without that, I am just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm doing what I did at one Christmas this season. I got downstairs in the basement. I found an old drum set, and I just got on there and just started pounding that thing. They send people downstairs. What's going on? Who's on the drum set? It's me. (laughs) Taking a break, getting some therapy. From my in-laws. Sorry, now I'm in real trouble. Tracy understands. Without love, we are very annoying. He goes even further. He says, without love, we're nothing. Useless. 
Without love, we profit nothing. What a waste. And he's holding up wonderful gifts like prophecy, knowledge, all knowledge, faith, sacrifice, generosity. Look at verse 3. Giving everything we have to feed the poor, delivering up your body, sacrificing it to be, to be burned. But without love, it, it's what? It's meaningless. It's useless. So this is Christmas, right? And what have you done? Another year older, and a new one just begun. That line has always convicted me because it's reminded me that another year has passed. What in 2019 really had value and meaning and usefulness in your life? Only the things that came out of love. So for you and me, we have to redefine success. We have to redefine our goals. We have to redefine our gifts and how we use them. One person said the presence of even the most spectacular gifts is never a compensation for the absence of love. No matter what else you may have or do, without love in God's account, it's nothing. It's less than nothing. Giftedness easily makes us proud, but Advent reminds us that, listen, Jesus expressed his superlative gifting in extraordinary service. Jesus expressed his giftedness in how? Extraordinary service and love. That's the necessity of love's way. Let's think also of the nature of love's way. And I'm, thankfully, not going to work all these out. But he tells us what love is not. And then he tells us what love is. Love is not a toxic mess. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag or boast. It's not arrogant, rude selfish, a chip on your shoulder that's easily provoked, it keeps no record of wrongs. Try that one on for size. No record of wrongs and does not rejoice in evil. We could look at Herod's life and how he lived and he had every single one of those. He was jealous and arrogant and rude and selfish and he rejoiced to murder every male child under two years old. But God had a way, a sovereign way, a good way, his way. And his road is paved with patience because that's what love is. God was never in a hurry to send Christ. He waited till just the right time. Let's think again of what she said, timing. Have you noticed how, how we're in such a hurry we don't have time? Love is not in a hurry. I can't wait to get off the phone with this person. <laughs> Would they please hurry up? Lord, slow me down. Because I had a teacher who reminded me, haste makes waste. And relationally, that is, that is very true. Slow me down, Lord. Love's not in a hurry. Love's patient and kind. What is kindness? Kindness is gifts that help. <laughs> Think Jimmy Horn sugar cookies. We didn't get Jimmy Horn sugar cookies this year. You know why? He is waiting on his wife, hand and foot, at home, taking care of his primary responsibility to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And Pat's bragging on him. <laughs> He's scoring some major points. You know why? Because he's kind. He's not just kind to us out in the community where it's showy, you know, and flashy. And man, Jimmy Horn's too. He's doing it where nobody else can see it but the one person who matters the most. If he knew I was talking about him right now, he'd slug me. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He's too kind. You know the rest of it, and we could expound each one of these and dissect each one of these. Rejoices with the truth. 
This is God's word and God's way. Purity and holiness taken seriously and not just tolerated, but rejoiced in. Love is tough. It doesn't quit. It bears all things. It believes and hopes all things. Love believes the best until proven wrong. Positive. Why? Because it's standing on the promises. That's why we can continue to be hopeful with our love because we know that God is working all things together for good to those who love Him. Love endures all things and love never fails. It is unfailing. What do I do in this situation? How many of you have had those questions in 2019? You're going to have the same question in 2020. What do I need to do? What you need to do is love this way because it will never fail. God will make sure that it is more blessed to give than it is received because He has made these promises and He has paved this road Himself because this is the way of Christ. This is love's nature and it comes from God. So if you're like me and you do personal inventory on the nature of love, every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of His glory. Have you run your Christmas season through what love is not and what love is? You failed at Christmas to be patient and kind and forgiving. Instead, we at times have been easily provoked. We just took that one word, that straw that broke the camel's back, that unloaded everything that we have in us that is of Herod. When I do this, I'm very convicted of how sinful I am. And it drives me to Christ, reminding me, I need a Savior. Not only to forgive me of my sin, but to live inside of me and empower me to love the way He is loved. I've got in my own personal notes, I'm a mini Herod at times, trying to make life all about me. Neil, it's not your parade. It's not your parade. It's not your. Par- it's not about me. It's not about you. Let your light so shine before others, so that what they could see your good deeds, your love, and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Yes, but how? You may not be able to sing like Janetta, but if you could put Janetta inside of you. <laughs> then you might be able to sing a little like Sister Netta. You know what the gospel is? It's not just that he died on the cross and shed his blood to save us, but cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then his love is in you. God has shed his love abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us so that we can love the way He is. So I'm without excuse if I'm a Christian. This is the gift He's poured into me. Now I need to examine myself and why am I not giving the grace that has first come to me in Christ. I need Him to be the change in my heart and my mind. And here's how it will work as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is, what, this is how we respond to this. As we work through the nature of love, we say, God, you have been infinitely patient with me. Because I love you, I will be patient with others. Because I love them, I will be patient with others. And then you go through the list. God, you have been kind to me. Because I love you, I will be kind to others. And because I love them, I will be kind to others. God, you rejoice with the truth. Because I love you and because I love others, I'm going to rejoice with the truth in their life. And you're thinking, he's not going to go through all these. But God has not been jealous. He's not been arrogant. He's not been self He's not been, God has not been like, God has been like Christ to us. He is Christ to us. So that's why I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. I've got to go back to the gospel every day and receive the grace, not to be saved again and again, but to be reminded of what His love has meant in my life. And then because I love God and others, I'm going to be that in their life. And you've got to go over it again and again and again. This is not your parade. This is not your parade. This is not, it's, it's about Him and His glory. 
Love is necessary. It's divine and holy in its nature. The last point he makes is it is permanent. Lots of things change. In fact, nothing stays the same. No aspect of our lives, our families, our world, it doesn't stay the same. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why in verse 8 he says, look, there can be gifts of prophecy, they're going to end. There are tongues, they're going to cease. There's knowledge, it's going to be done away. Right now we're all in process. We're very limited in what we know. We prophesy in part. We're limited in what we say. Right now everything is partial. It's not perfect yet. Look, when we were little, it was all about us. Children come into the world and they don't come out from the hospital saying, Okay, Mom and Dad, I'm here. What can I do for you? They don't say that. What do they do? Well, when we're little, we do a lot of whining. We do a lot of complaining, and we make a lot of excuses. It's all about us. Because from our perspective, we are the world, right? Everybody's standing over us, and ooh, and ah, and celebration. And then he says, but then I spoke as a child, and I thought as a child, and reasoned as a child, but then I grew up. And let me be honest with you, I'm still in the process of growing up. There are some aspects about us that needs to remain like a child, and Jesus taught about that as well. But there are certain childish things that we need to put away and be done away with them. And here's why. Right now, we, we don't understand, we're limited in our understanding. But one day, we'll be face to face. Now we know in part, one day we'll know just as he, we are fully known. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And one day we're going to know as we are known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. One day faith will end. End in what? Sight. One day we won't have to hope anymore because our hopes will be realized. But the love of God will go on and on and on forever. Why? Because that's why we've been created. And that will never end. To love God and to love others is the heartbeat of eternity. And it's the health of your soul daily now. We failed to measure up in 1 Corinthians 13, but God has come down in Christ and he lived it perfectly and fully. He died on the cross to pay our debt for not living this kind of life. And then resurrected his spirit in you, he will empower you to give the greatest gift that you can give at Christmas season and every season. And that is the gift of his love. Are you receiving it? His grace. Are you giving it? His grace. They will know that we are different by our love. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for bringing... Uh, Janetta, to just share her heart, her voice, her passion. Very inspiring. Lord, what's amazing is that you have gifted every person in the body of Christ with just such a powerful gift. And you've given us our gifts and talents, our knowledge, our skills, Whatever we're able to do, you've given those to us, Father, for your glory and your honor. Forgive us for using our talent and our resources and our knowledge to make it about us and to magnify us. Lord, that's the way of Herod. That's the way of evil. That's the way of Satan, to make it about us. Thank you for showing us a different way guiding us in a different way, being the way that is different. Lord, empower us to be different and to shine this light that is your love, both among the church where we need it for edification and joy and strength, and out in the world because they need to know the good news that you love us and you've sent your son to save us. This is the great evangel. The great good news that Christ has come down, full of grace and truth. 
Thank you, Father, for reminding us of all that during Advent. And, and, and we take it into the, to the new year, Father, with your grace and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing about him and his love and how precious and wonderful Christ is. You come as we sing. morning. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the pertinent reminder of your love and the importance of carrying that out in our own lives. That can be really, really difficult sometimes. Um, but like the scripture reminds us, that shines above everything else. And so we want to thank you so much for that. In your name we pray. Amen.
Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Joe, Miss Judy. Grateful you're well enough to be back. Uh, wonderful to have you with us this morning. Let's stand, please, for our benediction. Hey, on our Welcome Center table, we have new cards printed of our service times and opportunities. Great tool to use to invite people to church. So grab a handful of these, and at work, as you meet people, invite people to our services. Uh, thank you, Bryson, for having this done. They, they look good. Pass these out. Invite people to worship with us. Y'all have a great rest of the day. And um, we're going to sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. We never, ooh, I realize we never sang the verse and the chorus all Christmas, so I asked Miss Jeanette if she'd come up and close us out with us, and we're going to sing the verse and the chorus. Hey, Mr. J, we're going to sing the verse and the chorus. We are still taking Lottie Moon Christmas offering as well at the door as you leave. If you haven't had a chance to give to that, thank you.